G'day punters and welcome to Taps Inside 50. Between us this week, we played 705 AFL games, won three premierships and a Brownlow medal. Nick Quinn, Shane Crawford and our special guest. The whole crowd wants Dustin to have a shot. If you were taking requests, this has to be a tour. The crowd willing him on. Kill Shaw. Well, he might kick it anyway. He has. Oh, put down the phones. We don't take requests. What a beauty. There he is, Dustin Fletcher, slotting a long goal on Anzac Day. Do you remember that one fondly? Oh, yeah, I do. Um, it's great to hear Dennis. I think it was Dennis commentating. Great to hear Dennis's voice. But, yeah, I do remember that. Anzac Day is obviously a big day and just uh, just gone. But to kick one on Anzac Day, didn't kick too many. But uh, it, was a, it was a good day. Now, it's always great to speak to legends like you. But we feel the Essendon supporters, they need a morale boost. So we've got one of our fan favourites in you on this week. Oh, thank you. Yeah, <laughs> boy, it's, it's a bit of one of those weeks, isn't it, where... Uh, Tough at a footy club when you're, uh, you know, one and five or one and six. I'm not even sure what we are. I'm sort of trying to ignore it a little bit. But, yeah, tough week. But uh, you've got to go through it. And um, you get another chance on the weekend to, to get out there and play a bit better footy. Now, Shane Crawford, during your time at Hawthorne, there were challenging periods as well. What would you be telling the Bombers supporters at the moment? Because no doubt you had to have similar conversations along the way with the Hawks fans. Well, they came in with a bit of hope this year, and that's the thing, that supporters listen to the media a little bit, and uh, the media are saying Essendon definitely a top four contender, and then obviously when you don't win games, the pressure mounts. So this is where you can really find out about a lot of the players. You know, It can galvanise a side together. You can find out which players you know, are prepared to, to stand up and be counted, but... They'll be right. It's only early on in the season. They'll get their groove going. Um, you know, they do have a, a really good midfield, which uh, sort of amazes me at the moment. They've been getting smashed around the midfield, but they're getting plenty of the footy. So they're probably playing a little bit like the Bulldogs played a few years ago when they were overusing the footy a bit. So I reckon if they can eliminate a handball or two around a stoppage, um, take ground nice and quick, it's amazing. Things can turn pretty quick. But, hey, uh, Dustin Fletcher, what a... What an absolute legend. When, when you think about it, and I sort of started at the same time when Dustin was starting. <laughs> he was a schoolboy. I know we're jumping ahead of football, which we like to go through the younger days. But he's jumped from school football straight into playing, you know, for, for Essendon. Um, still rocking up and doing his maths and English and whatever else. Trying to. Uh, trying he was a good to. tennis player too, so we'll get to the bottom of that. But when, when you throw a team at me... There were star-studded full forwards. So, Quinny, throw a team at me back then. Oh, well, the, the forwards in the 90s. Lock Just, it. J- no, no, I said throw, oh, a, throw team. a team. Hawthorne. <laughs> right, Hawthorne. Jason Dunstall. St okay. Kilda. St Kilda, you'd either have Tony Lockett or someone else after Stewie he Stewie Lowe. Yeah, Stewie Lowe. There you go. Adelaide. Adelaide. Uh, Modra. Carlton. Carlton, you'd have Kernahan. Uh, you've Geelong. got Kangaroos. You've got uh, Longmire, Carey, Geelong, Gary Ablett. He had to go and play on these guys as How a young did you kid. Sleep at night knowing every Saturday. These are some of the greats of our game. All of them are greats, really. Uh, I think it was a good thing I was at school. People say, and I never played fullback in my life, so I, you know, I didn't play much sort of junior junior footy. It was just school footy, which was, you know, as you know, eight games a year, and that was sort of me. So I didn't play fullback. You know, I didn't want to play fullback. I played full forward at school and centre forward, and that's sort of what I knew. So learning to play fullback or playing in the back line on those guys 
was uh, was, was tough. Um, I think it was a good thing I was still at school because, you know, it's like you get back to school, you know, your mates and your and the teacher was hanging on you for a couple of hours, and then you just feel back into the into that student type of uh, feel at school. But it was tough. Um, it was lucky I had some positive people around me because I didn't think too much. There were some days I thought I played all right, and I'd still have five or six goals kicked on me. So that's just the way I dealt with it. And then you know, fast forward three or four years, I sort of felt like I belonged in AFL football, not until I was probably about 22, 23, to be honest. Who were the top two you had to plan in your career? Oh, that's oh, harsh, isn't we, it? Yeah, that's why I said top, top two. two. Yeah, it's hard. And we obviously, we didn't like, we had a few big goes against Hawthorne and I don't like to bring them up, but Jason Dunstall was was one. And I do remember Waverley Park and I'm talking guys like Darren Jarman and probably yourself, Croft, just with, you know, Dunstall clear everyone out, clearing everyone out yep. and it was just me and him in the 50 and you knew it was going to be two hours of, of tough footy. Um, he didn't say too much. He was, he was quick off the mark, fantastic mark, great kick for goal. So he's definitely, definitely in that uh, top two, and to split, you know, Tony Lockett and Gary Ablett's tough. Um, I, I probably couldn't do it, but uh, there's something about Gary Ablett that I just uh, thought he was, he was the one that would uh, could do anything. You know, add the ruck, you know, torpedoes. Again, he didn't say a word to me over the over the whole journey, but just a, an absolute uh, freak of a, an AFL footballer. What about that? What, what about starting your AFL career and you're coming up against, you know? players that you probably watched your whole life thinking they're amazing and you obviously looked up to them but back at school so Quinny wanted me to ask you this so so you're back at school you're playing senior football surely the girls were starting to go there's Dustin he's playing for the Bombers it it started pretty young for you having a bit of luck I did I was a good looking bloke like yourself Croft so I was six foot five strawberry blonde hair had a few pimples there still being 17 so things probably weren't as great as yourself or a Mark McCurry or a um, or Ricky Olorenshaw or a uh, James Hurd maybe well the baby uh, Bombers did come through yeah but you yeah it was good fun like it was good fun growing up you know being at school um, yeah, it uh, it came pretty quickly, really. I, you know, my first year too. Let's go back to '93. It was Essendon were going to let me play school football, so I was going to play the majority of the eight, ten games in HSV footy, and the next ten. Because your dad was coaching as yeah, well, so there's yeah. no way that he was going to let you not play for his side. Yeah, well, that's right. Well, that was the case, and then I was going to play in the reserves for the next ten games. So my '1993, you know, when we sat down with Essendon, was going to be twenty games of footy, eight with school, ten or twelve with the VFL program. So, but that changed quite early I think round three or round four I'm not even sure what year what uh, what round it was I debuted but uh yeah, to get straight in there, it was uh, it was a pretty pretty fun year, and it was quite an amazing journey, as you alluded to. In the preseason, it still wasn't on the radar, and before long, you were the key fullback in a team that went on to win the premiership. What was it dealing like? What was it like dealing with Kevin Sheedy in those early days, and how quickly did the goalposts move from those initial goals? Uh, moved quite quick, and my relationship was with Kevin Sheedy was quite good. You know, a lot of even you ask the players today, they sort of you know they might have knew where they stood, or they you know they wouldn't go and sit in his office and have a chat. You know, it was just whatever Sheed said, he'd eyeball you, and and that was how it was. But I'd known Sheeds for quite some time, so I probably felt that like I could I could go and sit in his office and have a chat. Um, you know, have a coffee, have a cup of tea, whatever it might be. And I sort of understood him in a, in a different way. And um, yeah, so my relationship with with him was was great because there wouldn't have been too many other people that put a bloke in at six foot five, never played fullback in his life, um, skinny, um, and to put him in at fullback, there wouldn't have been, I wouldn't have got too many votes at match committee. So it was lucky that uh, I got his vote and we went on obviously to play. I think he coached me for 285 games. So it was a pretty good, uh, it was a pretty good relationship I did have. 
And you were very good at tennis. So before you started your AFL career, you were very good at tennis. And even so, once you finished your AFL career, which was 400 plus games, <laughs> went forever and ever and ever, which was just incredible. You then have started doing some tennis coaching as well. Yeah, that's So right. tell us about your tennis career as a junior. Yeah, so it probably started, uh, started quite young. I was about eight. Um, again, didn't play much. I uh, didn't play any local footy, didn't have a local footy club. Dad always thought, I always kicked the footy around, but Dad always thought there's plenty of time for football. So we travelled around Victoria, Australia, playing a lot of the country tournaments and um, was you know, a reasonable player. Had a ranking there for, for a while, Australian ranking, Victoria ranking. So it was all tennis for me. So from, what was your ranking? Come on, tell uh, us. Uh, you under, I think I th- under 14, so that's going yep. back. But uh, that was my best ranking. I got to about number 12 in, in Australia. And then, you know, as you, as you go on, yeah, under-16s right. and under-18s, obviously not as much. But I, I love tennis. Um, it was a sport that uh, I probably played for – I was never going to make it. That's probably a, a, a fair to say that. You've got to be good to play, you know, professional tennis. You've got to be in the top 300 basically in the world. And obviously I was just sort of battling away uh, with an Australian rank, a Victorian ranking. But um, – my claim to fame was we had a couple of guys, Andrew Wheelie and Mark Philippoussis, who were the ones that were the good players back then. I beat both those guys. Did you? Um, once. Uh, Mark probably had beaten me about 14 times, but uh, I did beat him once um, in a tournament, which was uh, wow, my cool. claim to fame. But love tennis. Uh, was so a good you- sport. So he was, he was obviously a big server. So what was your game? Did you have a big serve? I was like Pat Rafter. I uh, served, got straight to the net. Oh, did you? And tried serve to finish, and volley. Yes, tried to finish the point as quick as I could. <laughs> like playing on grass. Um, my yep. ground strokes, my forehand was all right. Backhand. You got the long reach. Long reach. Um, and, yeah, like to get to the net and finish the point as quick as I could. And um, I actually had a fair... Double, we were actually quite. We, we thought we were quite good at doubles. We were undefeated there for about four or five years. But my doubles partner was actually Chris Anstey. Right. Chris Anstey was about Jeez. seven foot. I'm about six foot five, <laughs> and we used to think we were quite good. We'd shake the kids' hands at the start of the game, and that sort of look at us. Thinking, what have we got here? We can't but, lob uh, today. Yeah, you can't lob today. So, but that was that was fun. I I've grew up playing with with Chris for some time, and good mates with him. And you know, to see we had similar paths in a way because Chris, believe it or not, never played basketball as a junior. He didn't play didn't play his first game of basketball until he was 19. And um, I was I was a little bit different. I played a bit of footy growing up, but Chris went on to play. You know, obviously overseas, and his claim to fame is he never lost to Michael Jordan so uh, I can't uh, I can't go with that but he only played him once he only played him once I think and they beat him that day when he was playing for Dallas I think Dallas Mavericks so we had a great uh, doubles uh, partnership for four or five years and then we obviously went our separate ways when we got to about 17, 18 That would have been intimidating hey? imagine that like <laughs> little scrubber like myself coming up and then you see these two giants you think you've got absolutely no no chance so Philippus he, did he win the US Open lost the final lost he the lost final. the did he play Wimbledon as well in the final no he beat got Pete Sampras at his prime at Wimbledon and was beating him but then he did his knee so oh, that oh, derailed him so he so was that, a star though one of oh, the best in the world so that's a, that's a huge scalp he was I'll, I'll, there's a bit of mail on the story he was actually probably about eight months younger than me so Mark used, Mark used to always play up so you'd play under 12s and I'd play under 14s. Mark would play under 10s and under 12s. But, uh, but no, he was, a great, he was a great player. And in the end, went on to have a, a good career. Probably, to be honest, could, 
Could have pr- probably played a little bit longer. He, uh, I think he used to get a bit excited with the Lamborghinis and the Ferraris and, well, and whatever else. Too much else, money but, going around then. But uh, that was tennis, though, wasn't it? <laughs> in horse racing terms, he needed to be blinkered, I think. Yeah, that might right. have certainly helped. So did it give you a lot of pleasure watching those other people you played with and against go on to achieve great things? Oh, no doubt. And again, I, you know, there were a couple of other guys along the way who didn't sort of go on to those heights. But you know, a couple of them went on to play Australian Opens and, and, and different tournaments. So, yeah, I enjoyed enjoyed watching, watching that and obviously, Chris was a was a fair basketballer too, so we had a couple of friends in that in that sort of area out the northwest of Essendon that went on to do different things. But uh, to watch anyone achieve success at, at the highest level, it's a it's a good effort, especially in sports like um, tennis and you know probably golf's another one. I didn't, have, didn't know too many golfers, but a couple of really tough sports to achieve um, the ultimate in. Now that you've finished, and then you do do a bit of uh, tennis coaching every now and then, so. Why the connection back to tennis? Did you play tennis whilst you were playing footy as well or did you sort of stop and then you just reconnected with the passion that you had yeah I, I, I stopped basically and you know what footy got like from probably 19 probably 2000 onwards it became a lot more professional and I didn't um, I didn't actually pick up a racket for, for quite some time and, and it wasn't until I got back into tennis when um, when I did finish that I realized you know those childhood memories of you know of, of how much fun you did have so um, yeah back coach we we're down at Geelong grammar that's when I first started just with a good mate of mine um, Mark Shepherd who's who's been in the tennis game for for a long time and yeah I just didn't really enjoy it um, you know football was was a part of it for 23 seasons and I felt like um, you know I wasn't really at work when I was out there hitting a tennis ball and again coaching's coaching I believe if you can whether you've got a, a cardio group or a, you're doing a private lesson from a young kid to an older person as long as you have a bit of fun um, you try and you know let the kids learn you know every session and and that's what I go on the tennis coaching so I've really enjoyed that um, it's only sort of three nights a week but uh, but it can get busy but I'm getting a bit older, standing up, running around on a tennis court. It's getting tougher and tougher, but still got that enjoyment back from, from when I was young. Imagine the coaches, you know, at the schools, Dustin rocks up and takes a session in the tennis court. The footy coach is thinking, hang on, no, we need him over here. Can you come over and help us? Surely they're trying to drag you away from tennis. Yeah, well, it's quite funny because when I first started back, you know, there's a couple of really good players that we do coach that hit them quite well. And there was, I remember one kid came down and, um, you know, he must have known a bit about footy and said, oh, Dustin will be coaching you today, rah, rah, rah. And the kid wasn't too keen on it. And I'm not sure if he barracked for Carlton or Collingwood or someone else, but uh, but um, and he wasn't sure if I could hit you know if I could hit the ball because I played a lot of footy. So I thought um, I thought oh, well, well, and the kid could hit him all right. So we thought I thought we'll just get him in to play a couple of tiebreakers. So I got him out there. I put him to sleep in a tiebreaker <laughs> seven seven one, and the next one um, was seven two, I think. And I said after that he was he was quite good about He's it. Like, but oh, I, listen, I let him win a few points after that. But uh, but yeah, but it's good fun. Um, as I said, whether a cardio group, a young, young kids, I, I have I have a laugh. Um, I don't take myself too seriously. Never have. So it's good fun. Get ready to play everywhere, Australia. The AFL is here. With Tab Same Game Multi, you can combine all your favourite AFL markets like head-to-head, total points and anytime goal scorer all in the one bet to get bigger odds. Available on every AFL game this season. Build your Same Game Multi with Tab today. Tab, long may we play. Available online for Tab account customers only. Gamble responsibly. Call Gambler's Help, 1-800-858-858. Now, you mentioned that footy wasn't your priority growing up as a youngster. When did it come on the radar and you went to Essendon under the father-son rule? So was Dad really keen to not put that pressure on at an early age? 
I think so. Dad was he wasn't uh, Dad was very, very good with me because I was a relaxed kid. I you know, I was a type that slept in and didn't really I still probably don't now, I probably should push myself a bit more, but he was probably the one that you know, was always had a, always had a footy in my hand, even though I didn't play, you know, much much local footy at all or, or junior footy. So, Dad would always get me up, and we'd be out there kicking, running around, and playing footy. So he didn't put pressure on me, but he was very, he, you know, he sort of, I reckon, he had a something in place that was was going to work, and in the end, it did because, um, you know, I got to play a lot of tennis, did all that, and I, you know, I could count on my hands how many games of footy I played up until just before I got drafted so dad always thought um, you know he said don't get in the weights room which I I couldn't do too many weights anyway (laughs) but he goes you're quick um, you can read the play pretty well you've got the long reach so we don't need you to be building up you too much in the gym and um, and early days I was quite skinny so dad sort of thought we'll wait till you put on some weight before we got a few games into you so it worked for me just playing those eight to ten games of school footy Um, Penley Essendon Penley Essendon grammar Pegs, um, obviously a big rival with the Assumption and and guys like, you know, Ivanhoe Grammar and, you know, Marsland College was another big school. So it was a a really good competition, but it was, for me, it was only eight games of of footy a year until um, I played a year of the Western Jets. That was the first year of the TAC Cup, Um, but it didn't set the world on fire then. It was just my relationship, I think, with the footy club and Kevin Sheedy that that probably got me over the line to, um, to, to be picked up under that father and son rule. Now, I said we had some texts come through, and I got one saying, can you please ask Dustin, does he remember ironing me out in the Pegs versus Assumption game at the showground? Spectators were left gobsmacked, and that's from Dan Kelly, a racing enthusiast. Dan's one of my best mates. Um, Yeah, and he did. He absolutely – I was only probably five metres. I thought Dan was dead. (laughs) <laughs> and, and, and this is the thing about Dustin Fletcher. Hey, he might be nice and nice and have this soft little outside, but I tell you what, he's got this hardest inside. So you were there when this happened? I was there, and I, I feared for my mate's life Man. because he just got absolutely wiped. It was all in play and fair, but oh, my goodness. And do you know what? He's always had that in his game. If you go, how, how many times were you reported at oh, AFL level? Accidentally, months, accidentally, I think twenty-one yeah, times. So, so you don't accidentally get reported twenty-one times. Yeah. You know, for all these little accidents. But Do you remember getting Dan? Do you remember that? I, one? I remember. Yeah, was it? Yeah, well, remember dad, the dad, noise dad, was. Oh! Dad, yeah, dad was coaching. <laughs> Thinking, oh, he's dead. Yeah. And <laughs> you, you won the game by. I think we won. But Assumption were always the, the best school in it, and Croft obviously had a had a fair bit to do with that. So my old man took it pretty serious. He'd get everyone revved up, but. I remember it because I probably had a run-up, and again, I probably wouldn't do it. If I did it now, you'd, you'd be in quite some trouble, but I remember having a fair old run-up at it, and I was skinny, so I had to make sure I had a run-up, but uh, I probably took it a little bit. I think I got him quite fair, but you couldn't do it now. But It was big. But it was it, big, it, it but, was, uh, but he, was, he was tough. He was a nice he was a nice guy. Yeah, but, they uh, dragged him off on a stretcher. Uh, Poor Dan. Yeah, He's never played uh, footy ever since, but yeah. no, no, he he did well to come back, but yeah. ever, ever since then, I thought, no, this guy, you got to watch him. He's got a bit go on him um, and he he did you know yeah. those late spoils accidentally just take a, your head yeah. off but he had to be careful a frustrated playing on Lockett and Dunstall and those types yeah. who, well I know. never did it to them no because, uh, <laughs> you had to pick your targets if I did it to them I don't think uh, <laughs> well I remember watching Tony Lockett put um, <laughs> we had a full back just before my time out at Waverley Brad Fox his name was and um, I think the big plugger put him to sleep one day out there at Waverley in a in a bit of a headlock in a in a game out there so yep. I wasn't doing it to, uh, to big Tony Lockett I tell you 
Well, thanks yeah. to Dan for that tweet, because sometimes the questions don't go as well as that, but not only do you remember it, Croft was there. Yeah, Croft was playing. He probably kicked oh, six that day, Croft. I'll but, never, um, forget, never forget the hit. I've yeah. never seen a, a hit as uh, big. Oh, the only hit I've seen as big is when Jordan Lewis got KO'd um, by Harbrow running back and he was open and he copped a knee and virtually out. And then 15, they virtually carry him off. And then 15 minutes later, he goes back on. on. Probably Byron Pickett was the other one. Yeah, he he used to. Some of those hits were. um, Used to pick you. That's when you could line a few off the line and you could run past the ball a bit and actually wipe people out. He got uh, Brendan Crummel one day out at Waverley. Playing, uh, Brendan played with Fremantle and then came over to the Hawks, and he just put him into yeah. the next day. Yeah. He uh, got Joe. Mas- he broke Joe Mercedes jaw one day at the MCG on. Mm. Back when they played cricket, Joe actually slipped on the pitch, and Byron Pickett came through, and whew, and he yeah, he yep. quite hard. But, but I, I like how he's diverted it from himself <laughs> because I tell you what, some of my reports, I must admit, I got reported I think twice for shaking the goalpost. So you're, you're minus you're minus two from there. I'm back to 19, and I did play for 23 seasons, so it's one a year, which which is not that. Not bad. even one a year. Yeah, it's not that. I bad. do like the idea about shaking the goalpost, though. <laughs> See, that's creative to me. Well, yeah. Harper got done for getting on the goalpost. Well, he was climbing it like a koala bear. So I, yeah. Anyway, but it sort of makes sense. You give it a little shake and it moves around. It might clip. <laughs> The post. <laughs> now, going back to 1993, you come into that Bombers team unexpectedly, and the team really does rise quite suddenly. You were dubbed the Baby Bombers. When did you start to feel this team could go deep into September? Well, we didn't start overly well from memory. I think we were one and four, so I'm not sure if I can do that now. But we were one and four. I think we had a draw. My first game was a draw, so we were one and four with a draw. So uh, early, I didn't think, you know, I thought it was just, for me, it was just trying to get a game and I didn't expect a game. So I was just, you know, tr- trying to play a few games. But I don't think, it, it, for me, it was probably, you know, Tim Watson came back that year and we started by about round 13, 14, we were back, you know, to, to playing some pretty good footy. So we were lucky that uh, some of those young guys in, you know, Gavin Wanganine had obviously won the Brownlow that year. So we had, you know, Joe Mercedes, Mark McCurry, um, you know, Paul Hills, um, you know, young James Hurd, a little bit older, but he played as well. So we had some great younger guys, but for me, um, I didn't probably didn't feel it until you know quite late even coming into finals that late because you know I was playing I was still at school I was happy to get my 750 bucks a game um, <laughs> and, and that was me but the older guys we did have Mark Harvey you know Paul Salmon these guys probably knew you know what we could do because we had the younger guys to come in and just run and run and run and we had the older boys who were, who were very good players and I think they knew a lot a lot more before you know the younger guys were in that side. Grand final day, beautiful day at the MCG against Carlton. What was the week like leading up to it and what do you remember about the day? Oh, massive week. You know, obviously still at school, so all that stuff was was all part of it. Um, yeah, you know, to be Did in you the, do the parade? Were you yeah, allowed we, to get out of school and yeah, go and do we did the parade? Yeah, I think Friday afternoon it was. Did the parade. I think I was sat in the car with um, Ricky Alarenshaw, who was an Eston Grammar boy as well, a touch older than me, and I did mention him before. So we did all that. Um, again, you were just... As an 18-year-old, he was just wrapped to be part of a side that was playing in a grand final. And obviously winning it, that was the next next part. But, yeah, the whole week was a was a tremendous week. You know, nothing – I didn't think I'd be playing senior. I'd have been in the VFL at that stage. But got to a grand final. Um, I think I was meant to start on Earl Spalding. And I started on Stephen Kernahan. Mark Harvey had given me the – you, you might, might grab him for a little bit. So I had a really tough day at the office, which, which I knew because Stephen Kernahan was – 
you know, he's mm. an absolute champion. And uh, I had a few, I think I had five kicked on me that day before Sheeds gave me a bit of a reprieve and um, sent me up forward. But uh, massive, massive day. And to, to play against Carlton in that one was, uh, was, uh, was big. What was your dad thinking? Because you're a late starter, only playing school footy and, and not playing a lot of footy. And the next thing, you're in a grand final and you're playing on the very best forwards in the competition. So what was going through his head? Dad was pretty good. He was pretty honest. And he's a pretty honest sort of bloke. He was pretty honest with, even at a young age, he was pretty honest with his feedback for me after a game. You know, some people might say, oh, you know, you tried hard, you did well. But Dad was quite straight down the line, I think, which was a good thing, um, early days. Um Probably a little bit, you know, the protective protective parent really. When you and mum, mum probably didn't want me playing footy really. You know, in the AFL at seventeen, she she was just worried about me getting snapped in half or or getting injured, which probably nearly happened a few times. So, but dad was very, it was it was good between dad and Sheeds. Obviously, very two sort of positive people for me. You know, growing up because as I said, it was a tough year, nineteen ninety three. But to come out the end, you know, with a premiership. Um, you know the, the boys at school went pretty well who are obviously still close to a lot of those guys as well but it was a it was a special year I you know I got through my VCE too that was probably the other part I wanted to, to make sure I passed uh, VCE too so um, the only thing is I did miss the footy trip we uh, mm-hmm. they went over to I think oh, I'll never live it down but uh, I'd to go back to exams well, too. That's so. when Ricky Oleren Shaw and, and Mark McCurie, that's when they would have been at their very best. It's probably best that you missed that anyway. Yeah, I made up for it. I think I went on 21 out of the 23 <laughs> you know, as, as, as the time went on, but I did miss that and um, I got through the exams. But but special year for the footy club. I don't think we expected to be in a grand final. It was one that uh, even Essendon supporters say, a lot, of, a lot of people say it was one of the better ones because we didn't expect to be playing in a grand final in 1993. A lot different to, to the next one in 2000. Was it a bit of a blur? Yeah, a little bit. Um, a little bit. I yeah, Again, young. You know, being young, you just, you know, things happen and you just go out and do it. You know what I mean? You don't think too much about it, which I think was a good thing. Um, but And Croft was probably the same. I just, in that 1993 season, when I got my first game at the MCG and you drive in, I wasn't driving, didn't have a licence, but you'd go in and you'd, you'd be there and you win the game of footy. For me, you know, that after the game, it was old school, you you beers would be in the middle you'd have a couple of pies and you'd sit and have a few cans and, and there were times I didn't leave the, the MCG until 11, 11.30 at night because I was playing AFL footy I was playing with a couple of blokes I love you know Mark Harvey Dean Wallace you know Michael Long these guys Tim Watson so a lot of the time I was just in awe of being able to play senior footy but you know have a few beers after the game it was just what footy was and how fun it actually was And what about your schoolmates you're playing in a grand final how proud they would have all been there, um, you know, right behind you, because that's pretty amazing. They get to play with you during the week, yeah. and then on the weekends you go out and play for the, the Mighty Bombers. So what was going through their heads? Their heads would have been spinning. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, as, again, and the, uh, probably the whole reason I went back and played one game of school footy in that fi- in that final year in 1993 it was because of your schoolmates. And I'd been at school since grade six. You know, once Dad got the job at Eston Grammar, we, we obviously came back. So I had a lot of good friends that I not felt like you owed it to. It was just... Who, you know what I was or who I was I, I love my mates and um, I probably a lot more schoolmates early days than you know when you first walk into an Essendon footy club with some, with some older guys 
I probably just was close to those schoolmates. So, but no, they were great. I think my first game was against Carlton. It was a drawn game where Stephen Kern had missed a shot after the or missed the whole lot after the siren, and I had twenty odd twenty odd mates go to that game, and we actually had our dead ball. You know, I was obviously still at school, so we, we were we were a little bit late to our dead ball, so I had to put that on hold for an hour or so. But uh, and did you still dance that night? I danced. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't too good at dance. So I, I, again, I think I stayed out a few beers um, before I I danced, but. Um, um, but just memories like that for me as a 17, 18 year old were, were, were great memories. Over the next few years, you personally established yourself as one of the best fullbacks in the competition and the Bombers go along really nicely. And then 1999, the team has a super season. Tell us about that year and what was like going into that and unfortunately how it ended in that prelim against Carlton. Yeah, it was tough. Oh, you know, I was, again, lucky early days. 96, again, was a, was a good year. We lost a, a kick after Siren to, uh, to the Swans up there at... Um, up there in Sydney, so that was a tough one. But 1999, you know, going back on it now was probably you felt like it was a season that uh, that, that got by a little bit. You know, we had a few injuries with regard to you know James Hur with his his navicular stress fracture. I think Scotty Lucas might have been a bit injured that day, but yeah, we felt like that was the one that got away. And you ask Sheeds and you ask a few Essendon people, it was it was one that was was quite a tough one, but. Uh, Losing by the point to obviously the arch enemies in Carlton. Um, Mark McCurry, bit of a funny old bounce, a shot at goal, wouldn't really put us yeah, in front. And then the inf- infamous Dean Wallace tackle uh, from, um, uh, what was his name? Brown. Uh, Fraser, Fra- Brown. Fraser Brown. Um, you know, obviously heading towards goal. So it was a tough one, but, you know, you look back on it and, you know, from what happened after that particular game, not playing in that grand final and, um, it's it's all known now. We actually went to that grand final. We sat, we went and um, Kevin Sheedy obviously wasn't happy with how that game went. Neither were we. And he made us um, go to that grand final as a team and, and watch that grand final. So uh, I think that led us into into that 2000 side, which was a good one. But to look back on it now, it's one that sort of got away. I thought we could have won that grand final, but sometimes you've got to get there. That's the toughest part. But uh, yeah, to win, to win two, to play in a losing one. Uh, two losing prelim finals by a point it's, uh, it's still a bit tough to take but you can't do much about it now you can't, you can't be greedy with it all but it, it ha- still happens to today you know the best side rocking up you know during the finals and grand final day doesn't necessarily win yeah. you've got to you've got to you know let it unfold and, and hopefully things go your way and it still happens today, so you're not the the only team yeah, for it yeah. ever to happen to. But yeah, I'm sure you'd kick yourself, but you still got to experience the ultimate, how amazing it is, you know. And as you said, 2000, you get to follow up and have a good year. Yeah, and and the 2000 was the one that came from 1999 because Sheeds he. He he was ruthless after that uh, 99 grand final. So we actually went away from that game knowing what we had to do to get back to pre-season. There was no, I don't even think we had a footy trip after 1999, or we, we would have, but we knew when we got back it was going to be a tough pre-season. And, and he was on to us from day one. Um, we didn't have a big break. You know, we were back, you know, ready to train and, and that led us into that 2000 side. But the 2000 side was, was no doubt the best one I played with. We had some guys in there that were, that were just naturally just tough players like you know your Dean Solomon Mark and Jason Johnson you know Damien Harwick uh, Dean Wallace you know Paul Barnard we mentioned before so you had five or six really really strong guys and it was a, it was a, it was a team that was pretty well balanced you know you know on, on every line and then I think that showed up in in that season that we did have this is the team I'm going to read it out just so bomber supporters can smile and imagine just sitting at the selection table on a Thursday night listening to this team because hey, it just is before you so do good. It, I, I can 
for someone who played against them, when they were humming along, hated it, absolutely hated because that was even when you weren't playing against them and you watch them, they were so well drilled. You knew Mercury was going to hit up, who's going to create space. He's just, they're a well oiled machine and hated playing Essendon, especially when you knew, oh, we've got no chance against them. So, yeah, read this team out. It's going to be a cracker. M. Johnson, D. Fletcher, S. Wellman, D. Hardwick, D. Wallace, D. Solomon, Ooh. C. Heffernan, J. Mercedes, <laughs> B. Carousella, M. Mercury, S. Lucas, J. Hurd, A. Ramanaskis, M. Lloyd, M. Long, the followers, Jay Barnes, Jay Blumfield, Jay Johnson, Interchange, D. Buick, P. Barnard, S. Alessio. That's frightening. Yeah, it's a great side. It's an all-star team. It was good. Yeah, it was a good side. I think the average winning margin week by week was, I think, your average out to 38 points. So it was a rare thing, but you felt confident going to games. I was never an overly confident person, but... Going into games, you just felt like you, you were you were going to win win games of footy, and um, it was a and you did, and we did, <laughs> and the game we lost. I blame Sheeds, he blames me, but uh, I actually <laughs> kicked it out in the full that day. Chris Grant swung round and kicked a left foot goal quite late, but um, I say Sheeds got out coached because it was a game Terry Wallace where he they did put a lot of work into us and they basically flooded the absolute daylights out of us and we could, we couldn't score. So, uh, but in in saying that, I that that loss we did have. I, me personally, I didn't mind it because you see a lot of teams go through junior footy, local edges. footy, and you, you go through undefeated and you get to the big one and, and things don't go your way. But uh, but we got there in the end. Um, big year, big footy trip. Uh, it, was, it was fun. Great. So the halfback line, Quinny, can you just read that out again? Hardwick, Wallace, Solomon. Yeah, that, that, that's tough. you got Wallace flying in yeah, from centre-half back trying to uh, knock people over. Hardwick was always... Always causing havoc. If you go back and look, he's always oh, causing wild. fights, bumping, uh, smashing into players. And Dean Solomon, he's just hard. You know, the boy from Broken, Broken Hill, Hill just yeah. charges through uh, off the line and just would run through a brick wall. That is... And um, you had to pick someone to that's fight. That's pretty scary. I'm not sure I'd pick. You know, would you go... So I'd probably go Dimmer, but... Uh, I'd go Dimmer. Uh, only some... because I know he's a big softy underneath. <laughs> underneath yeah. But I wouldn't have picked him if I hadn't have got nah, to know him through the nah. Hawthorne days. And Dimmer, you're right. Dimmer was someone that... Oh, this is Dimmer, for example. Like that 2000, you'd come in and do your weights and you'd have, you know, three sets of bench press to do, three sets of squats, three sets of chin-ups. And Dimmer would come in, three set, three by, say, three by 10, he'd just do his 30 chin-ups. He'd do his 30 <laughs> bench press, he'd do his 30 dips, and he'd be straight home. <laughs> massage, never got a massage. He thought if someone was touching your legs and rubbing your legs, there was something wrong with you. He was a different one. But once that white light, can't, once that white, white line was there, he was just... I remember one day he played on oh, Sean McManus. Yep. Uh, I've never seen a bloke terrorise someone like he did that particular person that day, but he was he was tough. He was a good player. Well, you were, you were allowed to, to bump and push and, you know, not have to face where the ball is coming and you're allowed to make body contact. But, and he was he, – he didn't like players that ran. No. <laughs> like he hated it. So he would bash them. You know, and that, that's what he—that's what he did, and that's the way. Um, you know, even in his early days as an assistant coach at Hawthorne, that's the way he coached mm. until you weren't allowed to. So he had to come up with another way to do it. But um, yeah, he, he was one that always did his job, yeah. and it would always 
smash his body around, just making sure the opposition couldn't run. Yeah, and he came from, I think, the under-19 days of North Melbourne too, so he probably had a few guys there. Um, obviously, Wayne Carey and all those guys were probably coming through and, and already playing footy. But So he came from Dennis Pagan, I think, early days. So he always had that. It took him a while to get going, but uh, once he got going, I tell you, he was a pretty special player to have next to you. Yeah, it, was, it was a good one. Now, you mentioned going to the 93 grand final. It was unexpected. It was fun. It was totally different in 2000. All all the pressure was on you guys and you were coming up against a team that had been compared to the 93 Baby Bombers. They were young, they had the Brownlow medalists, they were exciting. Was it a different feel that week? Uh, it was a different feel. Um, yeah, I matured, or hopefully I'd matured by by then, but uh, um, yeah, it was, it was a different feel and uh, again, I go back to that loss against Bulldogs. I sort of felt like we got that one out of the way and, and we were ready to play footy. But uh, again, I think we were confident. And I remember I remember Hurdy giving us a speech just before we ran out. And I'm not sure if he meant it or not, but it turned out all right. He said, it's nothing. We've got to do, we don't have to do anything different. You know, the back line, just do your job. The guys in the midfield will get the ball out and us as forwards will kick their goal. He said, don't go off on any tangent. Just concentrate on what you need to do. If um, everyone does that, we'll win the game of footy. Don't worry about the Norm Smith medal. Don't worry about this. And um, in the end, we obviously won pretty well. But uh, James Hurd actually won the Norm Smith medal. <laughs> oh, he's so, not uh, bad, is he? <laughs> he, he said, hey. yeah, I reckon he was just uh, planting that seed quite early. But, um, but he, was, he, was, he was fantastic too that day and, and, and played well well and, and won the won the won the big one. It's Tabs Inside 50 Sunday play. We're joined by Bart Kennett. Bart, what have you got for us this week? We're offering four dollars for Christian Petrarca and Patrick Cripps to combine for 60 or more disposals and at least two goals. Now the D's head to the MCG on Sunday, which is a very happy hunting ground for Petrarca. He's kicked a goal there every game this year so far to go along with 29 touches while Cripps well, he's in absolutely rare form. If you take out that game where he was subbed out early, he's averaging over 32 disposals a game to go along with his two goals. Now, Croft, we need to get back into the winner's circle, so we're looking to your boy, Petrarca. Can he and Cripps get it done for the punters? Yes, of course. Uh, as you said, they did it last week, and they get plenty of the footy, and they both love kicking goals. Cripps is pushing hard forward, making sure that he's a tall target. And Petrarca, well... He kicks goals every week, Quinny. Thanks for that, Bart. Thanks for that, Croft. And remember, punters, you can find the offer on the Tab app. Offer available online only. Price subject to change and subject to liability cap. No multi, bonus cash, cash out, partial cash out or live bets qualify. See market page for details. Gamble responsibly. Gambler's help. 1-800-858-858. Speaking of some of the great players he played with... Tell us about James Hurd as a player, you know, and obviously as a person as well, you know, because he's been through a great deal, but he was such an awesome and courageous player. He was, and... I don't want to pump him up too much, but there was probably one matchup that we didn't like was was obviously when Croft had a pretty good record on uh, on James Heard, but but he was someone oh, for me. You know, he was a little bit older than me. He probably come from he came from Canberra and and he did at the not the harder way, but he he played a few you know some reserves grade football for for a year and a half, two years, and probably did it the hard way in his work ethic. Um, I'd never seen a bloke that uh, could flog himself at training like if he was on the bike. You know, we'd be just He'd give you an hour on a bike that was, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't train as hard as he could. So you knew he had the work ethic, but uh, I think just the ability to put his head over the footy. Um, he was in the mould of, I believe, of Wayne Carey and, and a few of the real greats, and, and probably Lee Matthews when the game needed to be won. Um, you know, he just put himself in the centre. He'd, he'd get a free kick. He, you know, get his head knocked off. He'd get the ball going our way. So, uh, 
but he was a fantastic player and he went through you know some tough times with his navicular um, fractured kept him out of footy for some time and then you fast forward a bit you know obviously the coaching and the the whole drug saga took its toll in the end but well, uh, he was coaching you at the time you know yeah and so you you were that senior figure yeah I was um, how do you how do you get through stuff like that uh so when he first coached me, I was—I I must admit—I was a little bit nervous because I was probably getting older and probably coming to obviously coming to the end. And 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 James Hurd was going to be coached. So for me, that preseason I did—I wasn't the overly hardest trainer. But when I knew James Hurd was coming back to coach, and my relationship with him was quite good, so I felt like I had to train a lot harder and and be better because I never wanted to put James Hurd in the position where he had to drop me as a player. So from an individual sense, it actually worked quite well for me, knowing that you know I was yeah. friends with him but I didn't want to put him in that awkward situation of maybe retiring me or or having or to yourself me. as well yeah or the, yeah that's right so but um, again I think he could have been a great coach he obviously learned from Kevin Sheedy and we got Mark Thompson across from from Geelong who we all respected and was did a great job with them so um, yeah it didn't work out obviously for, for the reasons we spoke about it but it was a tough tough period of time because you know the whole drug saga football sort of got forgotten didn't it it was we were talking. We weren't talking about footy anymore. We were talking about what was happening to the Essendon Footy Club, and it, and it, there were mistakes made. I'm not, you know, there were mistakes made by Essendon. There were mistakes made by the AFL, and there's no doubt Asada um, made some some big mistakes. But uh, tough period. Um, probably the the good thing is now it went on for four or five years. Way too long for mine. Um, mm. It could have been dealt with a lot quicker than that. Um, should have been dealt with. Should have been. But yeah, to see James Heard now back, and it's funny how things change. You know, I'm sort of helping out a little bit with the VFL now, and we had both his boys play last week in the VFL side and both had really good games. So it was good to see Hurdy there. I was actually running off the ground in my <laughs> quarter time speech and uh, Hurdy came through and gave me a bit of a, a bump on the way through. So it was good to see him back in that role, whether he be, he's back, I know he's back at GDO, doing some, some helping there. Whether he's back as a senior coach, I'm not sure. Oh, I reckon he could, there's no doubt he could do it, um, but you'd have to ask him uh, if he's prepared It'd be to. be a big um, comeback, wouldn't it? It'd be amazing. Really, because yeah. it's sort of the journey that he's been through, and you know all all the you know players. I reckon all the opposition players felt for yeah. the footballers during that period because you know it was just unfortunately poorly handled and just turned into an absolute disaster. It did, and and as basic as it sounds, you know. There was no, not one, I know I'm a pretty basic bloke, but there was not one positive test that was, was done through that whole time. There were eight players who were never tested through 2011, halfway t- through 2012, and I was one of those players. So to be suspended, to cop all what we copped, and for me personally, not even to get tested during that time, I'm not sure how you, you go down as a um, as a drug cheat, but unfortunately that's uh, that was that was how it all worked out. You were at the Bombers for 22 years and 58 days, and you could almost go 50% of it, the team was unbelievably successful, and then it was a struggle in the second half of your career. After you lost that grand final in 2001 against the Brisbane Lions, walk us through the next step for the Bombers and how it became more challenging going forward. Yeah, you, you probably thought, yeah, you're right. You know, 93, we didn't expect, but we got there. 2000, the period of 99, 2000, 2001, losing 99, 2000, having a fantastic season. 2001, obviously Brisbane was starting their run of um, of a few premierships in a row. So we probably still thought we were okay. Um, I think when we, we had a few salary cap issues too that uh, really knocked us around. You can't blame that. But um, we lost a few guys in, you know, Blumfield, Carousella, Heffernan. Uh, I think Dimmer, Dimmer was out there too for a while. So 
that obviously wasn't handled as as well as we could because you'd like to keep those those players in that side. So, but it was a tough period. There's no doubt about it. There was obviously change of a few changes in the footy club. Um, you know, Kevin Shee. There was there was a bit of pressure on him as well um, with, with with how he was going and and what he was doing to the team. He, he managed to coach for for a fair bit of time after that. But uh, it was a tough period of time. That um, you're right. It, I was, which it's not not great, but I was probably part of that that team too that that 10 or 12 years that we didn't have as much success um yeah it's a bit frustrating as well but uh it was good we had the early day success but um and even where Essendon are now it's you know it's a bit of a tough watch at the moment but um you still believe in them but um you know we need to get going again because um yeah it was it was a bit of a tough patch that I did have during the second half of my career well, it's not easy. It's not easy to stay up there and always be highly competitive. You know, you look, I suppose, of recent years, you know, the Bulldogs were able to get a flag, which was great, but they'd always been down. The Tigers had always been down. Um, you know, so it's it's so hard to contend. You know, yes, you might be able to push back towards the finals, but it's so hard to contend and win. Big one, yeah. um, so, you know, there's a lot of players that go through their career and unfortunately they don't ever get to play in a grand final. They don't get to finals. experience winning a grand final, you know, which is what I suppose all of us mm. dream of. So really when you look at it, yeah. although you did play, you know, the, the average lifespan of an AFL football is about three, three and a half years. nearly four years, yes, right? <laughs> You played for how many years? So I had 22 and a half, 23. <laughs> if you count the pre-seasons, only 23. That is, and yeah. that, and as you said, footy trips as well on top of that, you know, because it's, it's all about the social. 30, 30 years, I reckon. <laughs> so, so, okay, so tell us from a footy trip point of view, what was your very best trip? Was, oh. it, was it down to Horsham or Chuka no. or was it overseas somewhere? It wasn't Tassie or Bali or Phuket. <laughs> uh, probably, I think... Oh, we, I'm not sure if you go. We actually we went to a footy trip to Ibiza um, one year, and I remember get, it was. Uh, Can you been, remember it? Oh, we got to the. I remember getting to the airport. I might have been after two thousand. I get them all mixed up, but I remember we had a good year. We had some footy money in the in the kitty that was that was quite high. You know, in excess of a hundred thousand dollars in our footy trip. Um, you know, potty. So we knew we were going to go somewhere quite good, and um, I remember getting to the airport and. Um, um, and I just, 2000, I had my, uh, my first, Mason was born in 2000, so I was a bit, you know, do I get in a footy trip? You know, the missus might, she might be a bit tough on me going. But anyway, cut a long story short, I was only going to go on the footy trip for a week. You know, I wasn't having a two-week footy trip. I was only wow. going to go for a week. Instead of we're doing two-week footy oh, trips. early days. It was oh, r- r- ridiculous. Ten days, two weeks, it, it killed you. But um, <laughs> anyway, so I got to the airport um, with my passport, you know, bags packed, ready to go, not really knowing where we are going. Um, we, I knew it was going to be somewhere good and somewhere hot. They said, just get to the airport. We're having a week away. It's going to be good. It's going to be tough. So h- how do you explain at home? Oh, I don't know where. I'm going. I've just got to get to the airport. Yeah. Well, I think I told my missus I'm going to Thailand because that was an you know it was only nine hours away or ten hours away, so she wouldn't have been. Oh, maybe not Thailand. It might have been a bad spot to say. But yeah. <laughs> anyway, so I said we're going to Thailand. Get to the airport. Uh, a guy named Peter Berbikoff was organising the trip, and a good fella. He still works up at Sydney. Wasn't sure. You know, it was a little bit different. And he said, when we got there, we're going to Ibiza. And I didn't know where it was. <laughs> I said to um, I said to a few of the boys, how far away? You know, what's it like? And we flew from Melbourne to Brisbane, Brisbane to Hong Kong, Hong Kong to Rome, Rome to Madrid, Madrid to Ibiza. He got you the cheap tickets. The cheap took tickets. It took us about 50 hours to get there. Oh. And again, Mason had just been born. Um, I was only on the trip for five days. You know, two days, took two days to get there. 
but it was a oh, beautiful spot. It was a beta there. It was you know on the islands overlooking Spain, I think it was, and that was that was a really 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 good trip. But but got 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 to go to Vegas four or five times. In the end, it became just a Vegas trip because the young boys just yeah. love going to Vegas for a bit of fun and enjoying themselves. But uh, that Ibiza one was was a special one. But um, I was in the air for two days. I was there for four days. I was in the air for two more to get back. It was a tough one. So Ibiza, we are you a like a shirt off podium operator or how do you go once you nah. get on into those the nightclubs shirt off podium type of guy I reckon you might have been one of those for we, no, I was we, looking at Nick very no, short no, 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 no deflecting there nah, thank you Crawl nah. even though I was tall and skinny my skin folds believe it or not weren't great so I, the rig didn't come out too much but um, I left that to Mark McVeigh was, um, he, was he the, the best sort of was, footy trip operator he was a good operator Spiky boy and I'll leave it to Lloydie I'm not sure Lloydie get his shirt off but I'll throw no, him in there. Lord, I'd be sitting in the corner just yeah. trying to take in everything. Yeah. He's, he he loves that, doesn't he, yeah. Lord? He loves we, we got him going. Of... We got him going in the end, though. He did did the first few footy trips he wasn't that interested in, and then he wasn't even a drinker, really. Not not that it's all about drinking, but uh, we got him in the cruises, and then uh, we got him on the Coronas, I think. <laughs> well, I still think he's not a CUB man or a VB man, but uh, <laughs> but he was a pretty good operator. But, yeah, good times. No, I, was, I just enjoyed the environment of, you know, 30 or 40 mm. blokes around you, and I'm um, not a big nightclub really person, but having a beer with your mate um, having a laugh um, oh, I didn't speak to too many girls I must admit it was all about having a drink and a, and a good time yep and yeah. even now like the, the great thing with um, you know what you know some of the past Essendon players have done you have a little punters club yeah. and I saw them at the Magic Millions and, and they go up and they hang out for a few days and it's their catch up and there's probably about 20 of you yeah. and just having a great time like and it, it's fantastic to see you know people who worked hard, trained hard and, you know, put their heart and soul into the football club. It's great to see everyone, you know, still connecting. And that's, again, it's simple. That's why I played footy. Like, I didn't play, you know, I love the game. It was fun. I got paid, yes, but you'd give all that back for the mates you've you've got. And I've got mates that live in, you know, Perth, Darwin, wherever it might be. But when you do fly into those places and you ring them up to say hello and have a beer, they're always down there. So, yeah, it's it's a good point. Um, You know, local footy, same thing country footy I've been away this this past week through Echuca Horsham uh, Mansfield and just to drive through the town when there's local footy on you know it's like a ghost town everyone's at the local footy watching watching the footy and it's for those relationships that uh, that for me 23 seasons a lot of people you play with and a lot of people you meet and um, and that's what I, I look back on quite fondly round nine 2015. Your four hundredth and final game. What do you remember about you the lead up to that? You went to two thousand and fifteen. That's unbelievable. Yeah. Really? What I remember? I remember getting <laughs> subbed out. James said, "Said you're not getting a kick. You're coming off with me at, at half time." And a bit of my fault. I think I went into the game a little bit sore. Um, but I wanted just to. Yeah, I, I did feel a bit of pressure with the four hundredth game. I just wanted to get out of the way. Um, but yeah, it was a dream time game against Richmond. So obviously another big game that um, Kevin Sheedy, you know, really introduced. And to play that with you know some of the Aboriginal boys in the side, the Indigenous boys, and you know Courtney Dempsey and and all the boys I did play with, it was a it was a big day. Um, yeah, didn't play that well in it, but um, you know to get the 400, I didn't know it was going to be my last game. Maybe mentally, again, not a good period. We're going through that that whole drug saga. I probably think it probably got. To me, in the end, I think I probably could have finished off the season with a few more games. But, um, you know, in the end, I got to 400 and, you know, something just hit me and I thought, you know, this is going to be it. You know, you wanted to give Tate Pears a run. You know, Kale Hooker was coming through. We had some good younger players coming through. So, in the end, it was a, you know, it was a good celebration. But, um, yeah, probably a sad time, really, for me. 
and that would be your last game. Now, here's a bit of trivia for you both. As I said, you played for 22 years and 58 days. How the many longest goals? of oh, any no. other player. 72. Oh, did you? Oh, you think, already got that. Okay. You've got another record. The most amount of teammates in a career. Guess oh. how many players you played with throughout your career. I'll let oh, Croft guess first because you might be able to do it. Gee, 191. That's probably way over. So games, I actually play, played AFL games with. Yeah, so the amount of different players that ran out on a footy field with you. Let alone to be on a list, you know, the list guys. Oh, well, back in the yeah, early that's days. That's probably not 150. 164. Wow. 164. Yeah. I just found that quite fascinating. It just sums up your longevity and how many players come and go in a career. Yeah, and that's not only the list. I'm probably I'm showing my age a bit, but that's not only the list. You know, we had lists of 42 players, and, yeah. and sometimes it would be 15 to... You know, twelve to fifteen guys that wouldn't get a game. So there's there's probably a few more with regards to the list, but um, yeah, it's a lot. And I think the other stat someone threw at me last oh, on Saturday night was playing in front of over nineteen million people. Wow. Um, and again, that's probably showing my I'm not pumping myself. That's showing my age more than anything else. It was it was and the six you know the Essen were successful club. You know, in those early in those early parts. It's uh, it's, it's an old. incredible career. When I think of Dustin Fletcher, I think of the players he had to play on. Like, it's daunting, scary. You don't sleep leading up to playing on Lockett and Dunstall and Carey and, and Longmire, who's he kicked 101 year, you know, all of them. Peter Sumich. Oh, did you play on Alan Jakovic at all for Melbourne? Yeah, great. You mentioned that. He kicked a lazy 9-1 on me one day. Did he? At the MCG. <laughs> he was, well, he had two years. I think 98, 96 goals. Yeah. Was an absolute talent freak. Could have played a little bit more, but yep. he was an absolute gun. Yeah, right. Um, yeah. Yeah, anyway, we'll a, move on from well, that. No, he's a, sorry, he was a very interesting player. He was a great player. But as you said back then, that's the full forward's job was to kick all the goals. Yeah, that's right. You know, yeah. like my first game, I was forward pocket next to Jason Dunstall. And I got told, do not get in his road. Go and start on the 50-metre arc yeah. on the boundary at Waverley. So you virtually need to catch a cab to get front and square when the ball <laughs> comes in. And that was pretty that much was it. it. And yeah. if ever, I reckon I got a front and square round 15 against Fitzroy. My first front and square because so, he dropped one. Yeah. And then the coach said, that's why you're in the side. So, I said, well, I don't think I want to play forward pocket. Put me on the ball. Yeah, get up the field. So, um, so you play footy for such a long time. When I think of Dustin Fletcher playing on the great players, but... The long kicks, you know, obviously the spoils, but you'd always, you know, do the torps. But you did a lot of torps on the run as well. Is that something? Yeah, you practiced uh, as yeah, a kid? I think we practiced. And I'd probably go back to my old man. We'd we'd always be out there kicking, you know, torpedoes and drop punts. Dad played in obviously in the seventies and and early or mainly seventies really. And you kick, you know, every if you watch footy back then, it was a drop kick early days or you'd just be out there kicking a torpedo in a normal, you know, a normal yep. kick just to the next contest. So I enjoyed. Watching that, I probably couldn't do it. I remember one day I played, didn't have a great game. I had seven kicks and two handballs. And out of the seven kicks I had, and I got Sheeds absolutely ripped me after the game, I kicked five torpedoes <laughs> and two check sides. I didn't kick one drop punt. <laughs> and he basically said, what the hell are you doing? I, um, but, yeah, with Sheeds, it was good, though. If you kick one torpedo and it worked, he'd let you go on and kick another couple. So, But if it's funny, you feel a bit of pressure. Like, I didn't kick too many goals. The only goals I kicked were from outside 50. And um, it, towards the end of my career, you actually felt the crowd, you know, when you got the ball in your hand. So you sort of felt like you had to kick a torpedo or or have it shot at goal. But um, the best one I kicked, no doubt, was the one against St Kilda, where was on the run, where Matthew Lloyd actually Lloyd actually handballed me the ball, 
he must he didn't handle yeah. too much, or either did Scotty Lucas, but uh, he handled. I kicked one on the run, which was was a good one, but um, yeah, enjoyed kicking a goal. Didn't kick too many, but uh, yeah, kicking torps was 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 always He'd fun. Probably reminds you to this day, Lordo, that hey, I gave you the ball. Yeah, we well, probably yeah, he would probably tell me he could have kicked it, but he wouldn't have kicked <laughs> it. He, he was just a drop punt, left foot bang. He was a great kick for goal, mind you, but uh, yeah, he was a good man. And then so you were celebrating, poor Justin Kaczynski got in the way, and you just gave him a nice shove away too. Yeah, so yeah, so I went in the game. I actually had a guard on. I actually had sore ribs going into the game, and as I just run after, after I kicked, I was sort of running back to position. He gave me a little one on my guard, and it actually uh, it actually got me in the right spot. So I actually came off after I kicked it. Didn't look like much, but uh, but got me right in the right spot. But uh, it was a bit embarrassing. But that's yeah, that's what went down. Get ready to play everywhere, Australia. The AFL is here. And with Tab Same Game Multi, you can combine all your favourite AFL markets like head-to-head, total points and anytime goal scorer all in the one bet to get bigger odds. Available on every AFL game this season. Build your Same Game Multi with Tab today. Tab, long may we play. Available online for Tab account customers only. Gamble responsibly. Call Gambler's Help 1800 858 858. So being a long kick has obviously flowed through to, you know, one of your sons who's overseas, uh, or two of your sons who are overseas, right over there. Um, kicking for a career. So tell us what they're up to. Yeah, so they had a crack at footy for a while, were reasonable players, um, but in the end decided to go down a bit of a different path, and, and have a, which is getting quite, uh, there's quite a few over the boys over there now. Um, so they're both over at college in America, Mason being over there for about 16 months now, had a really good year as a true freshman for the University of Cincinnati. Um, they went undefeated last year in a in a fantastic season and only yesterday had nine guys drafted. Which nine? Nine guys went wow. in the NFL draft, which was which was massive for Jeez. the for the team. Um, but had a good year, good year as a true freshman. Um, again, got to put on some weight. He's put on upwards of 16, 17 kilos, believe it or not, already. So he's got to um, put well, some weight on. Every time you order something over there, they, it comes with fries and a big oh, thick shape. Mate, yeah, it's unbelievable. Oh, yeah, it's unbelievable. You know, your Cokes, <laughs> you know, even a coffee, you, you get a litre of coffee when you go and ask for a coffee at, uh, <laughs> down the local coffee shop. But uh, having a really good experience over there, um, you know, he's still a while away from the NFL draft and all that type of stuff but you know he will have a go at, at that when it when it comes by but you've got to do the best you can he's got another two or three years in the, in the college system and then my youngest Max has just gone over to University of Arkansas and a place called Fayetteville um, big SEC school so and he's been he's been getting in you know having a real go put on seven or eight kilos only been there three months so uh, uh, they're paying for it so they just make sure they work them hard and um, and they're having a bit of good fun along the way. And what about this week one of the season? Cincinnati versus Arkansas. No, yeah. get out of here. September three, so they haven't played each other for about twenty years. You're going um, to that, aren't you? So that's the one we. we I will, think we should yeah, all go. Yeah, great yeah, idea. Yeah. yeah, we'll get over four. So that's in um, Arkansas. They'll be played in front of eighty odd thousand because they've got quite a big stadium there. But uh, that's a big one. Max has got a bit of work to do. They've got quite a good punter though, Arkansas already, who came back for a COVID year. So he's a fifth year, or he's quite an, an older boy, but really good kid, good punter. So he might. Max and him might team up a little bit, depending on what happens in the next sort of three or four months. But uh, we'll be over for that one, uh, big one. Uh, my wife hasn't seen Mason for about 18 months. I was lucky enough to go over there on New Year's Eve and see him in Dallas um, when they played against Alabama. So, yeah, big uh, September 3 is a big one. We're just planning at the moment. 
Airfares aren't cheap, I tell you, it's still, uh, still going to hurt the old bank balance. But um, Especially yeah. where you fly up the pointy end. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not spending 10K up, up the pointy end. But, uh, How will you go yeah. watching that one? Your two sons potentially against each other. But, but not only that, you, you said 80,000 people. It's just incredible to think, hey, a college game and the way that they embrace, you know, that, that culture and that, yeah. that game. And it's and I always think why it's so big and it's so big because obviously you've got the NFL and you've got college and you've got the TV rights which are, which are massive but I think it's more after that you know they don't have you can't go and play local footy or, or country footy when you turn 24, 25 basically uh, you're done so that's what they put in at, at college is is very big and um, obviously a lot of schools but yeah it's going to be it's going to be a big big trip um, a lot of people are wanting to go over and. I think you've got to get to LA, LA to Fayetteville. Um, so so, so what, what's it called? Fay- Fayetteville, yeah. So, Fayetteville, so uh, How do I explain it? Have you seen the show Ozark? Um, it's on Netflix. Yes, it's a, yeah, um, familiar with it's it. Sort of up, it's sort of up that sort of area. So it's a small um, uh, college town. Um, but, um, yeah, it's a big – It's you know they're quite good at basketball, very good at obviously footy too. So it's a, it's a big school. But uh, we'll rip over there for that one. You know in the, some of the movies where you see them in little um, – Little college towns, but then they've got their virtually college number in the front lawn. Is, yeah. it, is it a town like that? Oh, uh, yeah. It's probably not. You know, the Florida. You see the that that type of place, but you know all the um, oh, what are they called? The frat houses and the. Oh, I'm they've just, got all those. Oh, yeah, they got all that. Yeah, really? that's that's a bigger culture than I thought. So like, is your son in a frat at the moment? Nah. So no. the, they, I think, oh, I had to explain. He's it. doing his initiation. Yeah. <laughs> so nah. So footballers basically say, you know, frat's no. not not for oh, you right. because. As you know, footballs can get a bit excited when they get a few drinks in them, and um, probably not a good uh, good environment to be around. But um, yeah, so they, they're basically not in the frats, but they are a big part of, of, of college um, college college life. Um, and yeah, I, I dare say there've been a few college parties that uh, I don't sort of take We'd that be away from. If yeah, they I'd didn't. be disappointed if they didn't. So yeah, but no, nah, it's a, it's a good way of life. They look after the boys pretty well. Um, when you've got 100, 115 in the footy program, it's a big ask. But um, they do it pretty well. They work them hard. I think the the whole idea is they get them up early. You know, they start, they train early. They go to their classes. They go back and do some weights and and do practice. And by eight nine o'clock, you know, they're in bed. Oh, that's what they yeah. tell me again. They're in bed. Um, they're in bed. But uh, it's a good program. I I quite like the way they go about it because it's a lot different to, to football here. We you know we do it a different way, but uh, it's it's a pretty a pretty good program. So when you're there in September, are you going to pop along to maybe a college party after the game and go along and just experience what it's all about? Uh, just uh, pop your head uh, in. What am I? Forty six. It's probably <laughs> pushing the. Actually, I went to buy a pair of jeans the other day, and I said to my wife, "Oh, I might get a pair with a rip in the, you know, rip in the jeans." And she said, "What are you doing?" I said, "Oh, no, it can't be that bad, can it?" But, uh, but no, I don't think so. I, you know, yeah, they have that, which is quite good because they make it. It's a big day. It's a bit like the old days, you know, going to play footy over at the Adelaide, Adelaide, Adelaide. Oh, so they've they got the car park, yeah, and, the, and the barbecues, yeah, and tailgating. Tail, they rack the, the caravan comes. They do that. They do. The the whole yeah, lot right. there. The, they got the meat and the spit, marching mate. bands, oh, and the whole all sorts lot. of things. Yeah, it's, it's it's a good day. It's a good day. Event, the cheer so. girls or the um, what are the the gymnasts? What do they call it? The the cheer. Yeah, they got the sense. band. Yeah, the way they do it, like they got the band going too. It's it's a big deal to be in the band. It's a big deal deal to be a cheerleader, and it's just a it's a big day. Footing it starts. You know, if it starts at seven o'clock, sort of by sort of one o'clock. You know, that's when you're all there. Yep. You know, 
starting that day. So I don't think I'll get to a party, but uh, I'll have a few beers beforehand. (laughs) Now, an amazing career, and the cherry on top was being inducted to the Essendon Hall of Fame and becoming a bomber legend. What did that mean to you? Oh, it was big. It was big, again, and, you know, you play footy for... You know, you don't play footy for awards, but grand final premierships is the main one. And now that you're finished, you know, Crichton medals, uh, best and fairest, you know, are big as well. And to be, yeah, to be part of the AFL Legends was, you know, was great. You know, good for my family, good for the Eston people, not just me. You know, I played footy for a long time, and the smiles you put on those people's faces. Um, the night itself was a, was a fantastic night. Um, I must admit, it was a bit sad too um, when you got guys like Neil Danaher, who um, you know I didn't have a lot to do with Neil, even though he's at Essendon early days. But to see what he's done through his footy career, post footy, and you know I've raised over fifty five million for for MND. It was um, it was. It was great to see him, you know, presented with his, and the other one was was Dr. Bruce Reed, who, who, um, who was great for me for, oh, great for the Essen family and footy club for a long time, and he obviously passed away probably about two years ago now. Um, tough to see that, and myself and Gavin were the, probably the current day or the guys that got um, legend status, and it was good for good for us too. But I always lean back to to those two guys. It was quite an emotional night, but um, one that um, we celebrated, and you know now to to be looked back as a legend to me doesn't mean too much my footy days are done but it was it was a good night oh, and, I th- and it's obviously you know, when you say not you're not too phased by it but I think you know your family and everyone connected with you all your schoolmates you know I think they'll look back on it and you know be extremely proud of what you've been able to do it is incredible 400 AFL games and we've said it many times playing on those players um, and the journey you know it's it wasn't all um, you know, as it started out, yeah. winning premierships and and winning every week, it's it you know had a a disappointing end. Yeah. But um, but you just got to reflect on all the, the the great times, which obviously there's great friendships, there's premierships, there's great footy trips. You yeah. know, there's all sorts of stuff. Which you know, by the sounds of it, that's what you know, made you want to be involved and stay yeah. involved for such a long time. I think so. And it was as basic as this. Someone asked me the other day about how'd you play for so long and you need a bit of luck. Um, you need to be able to train hard, you know, at some stage. You've got to be able to play, you know, through a bit of pain. You don't go into too many weeks where you're not sore, you've got injuries. But in the end, the way I summed it up to this person was, and it's maybe it's a bad, not a disrespectful thing, but I sort of treated AFL football like it was local footy, even though I didn't play local footy. You know, I'd turn up on Monday, Tuesday, early days, Thursday night and train. You do your weights, get it all done, you go home. You didn't get caught up with too much of the the politics in between and, and I didn't, didn't put pressure on myself and I think it was just for that fact. It got a little bit harder as, you know, you know post 2000 or 2005 sort of onwards because it was becoming, or oh, it's a very professional sport, but if you didn't treat yourself too seriously, I treat it a bit like local footy, which maybe wasn't a great thing, but um, it kept me going for, for that period of time. Yeah, I think there's something definitely in it, you know, because sometimes when you're 100% there and you can't get away from it, mentally it brings you down and then if your form's not there and the team's not going so well, it can Frank push it, you out the uh, door. Whereas, you know, I, I think there's a lot, and I know there's a lot of footy um, coaches even today are trying to get that balance, trying to get them doing other things in their life, you know. I know Chris Fagan's really big on that and the Brisbane Lions, seems to be working for the Brisbane Lions. So um, it's a hard one, isn't it? Especially when it's become such a professional sport. It is. And I've, you know, just 
just been back helping um, Brent Stanton just with it's only a oh, deal with just all VFL listed players really but you know seeing yeah, seeing that you know the pressures I've been out of the game for a period of time but and it gets magnified obviously Essendon are going through a bit of a have been for a while going through a bit of a tough patch you know this season and you know when they've got young you know you get a reasonable young side and you see that the pressures that they've got to face every week when you're not winning it just adds another layer to it so um, and hopefully we can fight our way out of it there's a bit of work to be done but uh, there's no doubt it's a different it's a different game now you're stating the obvious but uh, it's a different environment that the young kids come in and um, you know, sometimes you feel like just saying to them, just go and play footy. You know, you don't have to stand there in a zone. You don't have to go and do this. <laughs> don't go and do that. Just go out and just and, and play footy. Take the game on and um, and enjoy it because when you enjoy enjoy your football, usually you're playing yep. in, in, a, better, in and, a better way. And a few more torps here and there, boys. Just launch into just a few torps yeah. on the run. So from a playing point of view, obviously played with, what was it, 164 players um, over your journey. <laughs> Who's the best? Who's the best player? I know it's hard to pick yeah, one, but we're going to make you pick yeah, one. I, I said James Herbie before, and he is the best. And for the reason being, he kicked goals, he put his head over the footy, and he won games off his own boot. Um, probably two or three, you know, just far off. And you're probably, you know, and I'm, you know, Michael Long. I know he didn't have a, you know, sustained long career, but. You know, him, uh, I learned a lot of Michael Long in his early days. And the other one, uh, you've got a lot to choose from, but someone draws me back to Mark McCurry. Yes. And you'd remember yep. playing him. Mark McCurry is that high half forward role that you see a lot, lot of guys playing today, which is a tough role to play. He was someone that... Um, Oh, he was just a, yeah. a fantastic player. Again, maybe he had a, had a, had a great career. Um, I enjoyed watching or playing with him, and, and obviously watching him play. And um, he was he was others. But you know, fast forward, you know, Matthew Lloyd, you know, the big fish is in there. He had a great uh, in there at, at Hawthorne, and uh, we had some you know we had some greats. There's no doubt about it. I asked him for one, and he gave us five or six. No, so. very oh, yeah. diplomatic. He did yeah. say Heard was the best. Though. Yeah, it gets people say, oh, you know, it's but James Heard was was the one like. You know, he was a captain and yep. and he was just a great player. Had all the attributes. Dustin Fletcher, we have loved having a chat today. We're going to wrap it up with some fun ones. True or false, you always got to train in an hour early, not to train, <laughs> but to sit in the car, read the Herald Sun, have a coffee and a toast. That's and true. I know for a fact. True, yeah. <laughs> Co- coincided with my kids being born and get me out of the house type of, type of, uh, type of feel about it. But as you said, it just gives you some time to bit of dust clear the time, head and yeah, time, relax yeah. and see. Jeez, that was tough early days though. I, mean, I thought having kids was going to be easy, but it's pretty tough, isn't it? We don't sleep and you... Yeah, anyway. You've got to find ways to to, yeah, to make it work, but it is tough raising kids. Best sledge you ever heard? Best sledge I heard? Oh, I heard a lot, and I can't repeat a lot. I remember, uh, it was against me. First time we played Collingwood, I was copping it from behind the goals. was down the Collingwood cheer squad end, and, you know, back when you could, you know, warm up out the ground, your forwards to kick the goals, they'd throw the ball back to you, kick them back. And was that Victoria Park? Did you play? Oh, I didn't play there. This was the MCG, yep. a big crowd, though, and we were down the Collingwood cheer squad end, and one guy was absolutely... This is before the game started. First time I played Collingwood, and he was into me. Fletcher, you're a, um, you know, whatever he was saying. Wasn't complimentary. Yeah, you know, you're a lucky this, lucky that. How are you getting a game? And he kept on mentioning the word lucky. Anyway, in the end, I actually he actually threw the ball back to me. I got quite close to him on the fence, and I said to him, "What's with the uh, abuse?" And he said, "Have a look at you. Look at your legs." 
And he said, you've got lucky legs. Lucky they don't snap and go up your ass. <laughs> and I thought he was saying lucky that I was getting a game because I was tall, skinny, probably not up to AFL standard. But um, it was it was lucky legs. Lucky they don't. And I actually had a bit of a laugh about it. But, uh, <laughs> and this particular guy still goes to the footy even 2015. And we have a laugh about it now. But uh, I thought he couldn't think of another one. But he still calls me lucky uh, as of 2015, yeah, yeah, right. my last game. But yeah. <laughs> That's a good one. I like that one. But yeah. I, I like the fact that he's giving you such a hard time when you're first starting. Yeah. And then by the end of your career, it's sort of like um, one of those inspirational American yeah. movies where the opposition, where the New York Yankees go, yeah, okay, good on your lucky legs, you know. Yeah, that's and right. And then yeah. claps you off at the very yeah. end. Well, I did come that's back to him. That's kind of nice. Yeah, I did come back to him and say, oh, I'm not even sure what 2007 will say. And, you know, lucky this, lucky that. There were a few swear words still involved as, as it got on. But I sort of said to him, the Collins supporters aren't as smart, are they? You couldn't think of another nickname or something else to actually rip into me about. But uh, but no, he's a good fella in the end. He's in their cheer squad. I think still in their cheer squad. Yeah. Never a dull moment with the Collingwood cheer, cheer squad, squad involved in the story. Right. Best spray you ever heard from a coach? Oh, Sheeds, no doubt about that. Well, we lost to Sydney. We had a bad game up in Sydney. We were a few goals up. And... She, oh, he, he, he never really was one to sit down every player and go through every player. This particular day, we were three goals up with about eight minutes to go. Lost the game. We came, it was the SCG. Came into the old change rooms and you could hear him come in. He was punching the wall and he kicked the doors on the way through. He was he was fuming. And we, he sat us all down for the first time in some time. He sat us down. He went through every player. And, you know, he said, Fletcher, you weren't with Lockett. Should have been right up, spoiling, chopping his arms, doing those things. You know, you were terrible today. Joey copped it. Merck's copped it. You got to Stephen Alessio. who was sitting right next to me. You know, Sess in the ruck. You know, terrible going up against whoever it was. You weren't putting your knee up. You duck your head. Absolutely terrible. <laughs> anyway, this was I'm obviously going a bit easy on what there were a few swear words and you know hitting the walls still anyway the spray f- went for about an hour of the spray every player copped it so 22 players probably about sort of four or five minutes each we copped it anyway so it finished um Cess got up and he said oh he said to me can you believe the spray i copped i said mate i said you hear mine i thought that wasn't great and he goes i said oh not really i wasn't really listening to him t- listening to it too much and he said oh coming from a bloke who didn't even play <laughs> Seth was actually, you know, the days where you might bring another player out to run out to try and fool the opposition. So he still had his tracksuit on, and actually, he was like, he actually ran out and was the twenty-third man at the time. So he actually didn't even play the game. But Sheed still uh, thought he played, and managed to um, absolutely rip him, um, rip rip into him. So that was quite, well, it's quite funny now. But uh, Seth didn't appreciate not even playing and copying the biggest spray of the lot. Worst of both worlds. Yeah, well, that's right. How, how did you go with Kevin Sheedy? Because he was out there and and even addressing you and and you know weekly meetings and stuff he he he'd talk about all different things away yeah. from footy so how did you go getting those messages through to you especially as a young kid going what is this guy on about yeah i think he deflect you know, he obviously you know he's unbelievable he deflected things away from from pretty well but i probably didn't like sometimes when he and he's done a great job for the club and and that's obviously the the, the way he did it but you know we'd build these games up sometimes that were were that big you know we'd be into north we didn't have a great relationship with north melbourne being a neighboring suburb you know they were the yeah they were you know we we and we're around them all the time and he used to build those games up and you know building that up and you got the Martians and you got the the marshmallow game and you knew that 
I felt that he was sort of building up too much and he'd, he'd be getting Hawthorne up, he'd be getting Collingwood Carlton up just for, and was putting more pressure on us. So I felt that a little bit tough at times, but uh, but he was just all for it. You know, he was a positive person. Um, again, I'd known him, yeah, I, I, I get on really well with him, so I could go and sit in his office and, and listen to him. So I didn't understand all of it, I must admit, but uh, but I got along well with him, but uh, he was great for the game and, you know, Anzac Day, you know, what a day that is. Yep. Yeah, for him to go and speak to, um, you know, Collingwood, I know it was a it was a sacred day. You'd never play footy, and f- the money that we you know we give back to the Anzacs now, and 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 the reputation that uh, that the respect we pay to those guys is big. So he's done a lot for footy. So my relationships was quite good. Um, there might be a few other guys that um, probably didn't, um, but uh, I had a great relationship with him. Most annoying teammate. Most annoying teammate. Oh, over the journey. Oh, early days. Um, Peter Somerville was uh, was someone that big ruckman again. Um, uh, he was a different one. I remember Lloydy sitting. Even up. the way he moved, he moved he was, different yeah. to everyone else. So Somerville yeah. was number nineteen. Matthew Lloyd was number eighteen. And you know, back then, you'd, when you're only a young fella, you'd, you'd sit on your air. You wouldn't sort of move over. One particular day, I was sitting in the rooms talking to Lloydy. He was there. He was actually sitting on Summer's side of his locker. Anyway, Summer came back in. He was a bit of a bit of a grouchy old old sort of man, and. Um, and uh, he was chewing a bit of gum at the time, and Lloyd had his top off. And he's walked in, and um, he said, "Lloyd, you know, get away from you know where you're sitting. It's my locker, rah, rah. And He had some chewing gum in his mouth, and he went bang with the chewing gum right in the middle of his chest, where Lloyd had a bit of hair on his chest, and he's ripped the chewing gum off, and he's ripped a bit of hair off in the in the process. So summer summer was a was a good one, um, but we had a lot of. He, lot of, he was probably growing that hair for about four oh, or five years. He, he, he was only young at the time, so that was a bit of an eye opener for for Lloydie, But uh, but yeah, we had some we had some good ones over the over the years. Who was yours, Croft? Most annoying teammate. Oh, oh, gee, it's probably Dicko, Ben Dixon. Yeah, Hurricane Dixon, I used to call him, because sometimes the mood he'd get in, he'd just, just start going crazy, doing his thing. Well, there's 42 um, blokes in it. He's probably more annoying out on the drink. Oh, that's when he yeah, really turns into Hurricane Dixon, you know, and then he, he turns into a potter. You want to try and avoid him, yeah. you know, through the rest of the night. But um, <laughs> but no, we, we absolutely loved him. <laughs> I've never heard that that's one. Good, yeah, no, that. we, to be honest, there's nothing but love for him. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, he was so coachable. <laughs> you could tell him anything or even to liven up a room, do this, and he'd do it. He so he was the man. Final question. We've loved having the chat. Your favourite footy moment? Was it the podium in Ibiza? No, it wasn't that one. It wasn't that one. Um, you know, that Michael Long goal in 1993 when we needed a spark and to see, you know, Stephen Silvani stretch out and drop down after he's thought he's touched it and um, and him kick that goal. Again, you know, I was 18, grand final, uh, nearly 100,000 there. And as a just a student, a kid playing but watching what he did, Probably goes down as is nearly one of my better moments, but you know you can't go away from premierships. You know there too. The game against North Melbourne, that comeback game where we we're sixty eight points, sixty nine points down, was was special. But from a, a footy perspective, again, it's hard to name one. But that that just rings true for some reason. Michael Long's efforts. And what about um, were you playing in the game? You probably were because you didn't miss many games. Uh, when Hurdy embraced on the boundary line after kicking a goal. Yeah. Yeah. That was yeah, pretty special. That was wasn't a special it? one against West Coast. I think Kim and Sheeds 
had a bit of a run in that week. Week of I'm not sure the full story. Someone will um, will understand it. But had a bit of a run in that week, and um, I think uh, heard he had a bit of choice words back to the box, and um, for him to kick that winning goal and the, just the raw emotion of, of someone hugging a fan after he's kicked a great goal. And again, why is he the best player in you ever played with? That probably sums it up. Threw himself in in the centre, ran down forward. I think he got a handball off Damien Peverell, managed to scrounge it off Pev, and um, and kicked the winning goal. And and one more is the game against the Bulldogs, the mark of the century. Were you playing in that match, Gary Moorcroft? Yeah. How good yeah. was that mark? It was a good. Yeah, that's that was unbelievable. Yeah. And just for the type of you know, Gary was only a smaller guy for him to actually get up and sort of hang up there for a while. It's no doubt the best mark I've seen. Probably still in still now. You know what I mean? He was a and he was a great guy, Gaz and. He was my age, Gary. Um, we played under 12 Victorian football together as a young fella. So, um, And he went on to play. He might even still be playing footy. So uh, he had a great career, but that was a tremendous mark. And, and again, probably could go down as one of the best moments. Oh, the, the height yeah. and the, the spring and the landing. And Scotty Lucas kicking on his right foot. I think he <laughs> kicked it in on his right foot. So that's probably something else to remember about that one. <laughs> We've loved having a chat. Thanks so much for clarifying some of the texts that came in. Your doubles career with Chris Anstey, ironing out that Dan Kelly. Not only that, he was worried about. He was worried about. Uh, what are we going to talk about for yeah, an hour? Yeah. We could go on for another five hours if That's we really it. wanted. And, and the Bombers will be back. The to Bombers all will the be SM back. Faith. Well, we've got to get a few more games into some of the younger kids. I know it's a little bit of a maybe a cop out, but I think we'll be a better team when we get. 30, 40, 50 games in Harrison Jones, um, Young Cox, you know, Draper's showing a bit, Archie Perkins, there's still a few f- more to name. So we'll be back, um, but we've got some work to do. We'll run that clip to lift the bomber roll. That's exactly it. <laughs> and punters, you've been listening to Tabs Inside 50.